Hello, everyone. Oh, hello, everyone, and welcome to War of the Stars, a Star Wars podcast. Coming to you, as always, from deep within the Outer Rim, far beyond the watchful lies of the Galactic Empire. My name is John Mark Tolley, and unfortunately not joining us today is my co-host, Will. Will, unable to make it this week. He had prior commitments. But, however, taking his place this week, I am proud to bring in Jarrett. Garrett. I also Jarrett. Garrett. Garrett Jones. Uh, Garrett, welcome to War of the Stars. Thank you for having me. It's been it's an honor. I've been listening to the podcast as often as I can, and uh, I, I, I'm just thrilled to be here. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you, about you and your background and kind of your a brief summary of your history with Star Wars, because this is a, being a Star Wars podcast. Yeah, well, uh, I'll start with that brief summary because I'm I'm a lifelong uh, Star Wars fan. Um, ever since, I mean, I remember being in the theater in 1983, uh, seeing Return of the Jedi. Uh, that was the first one I ever saw in person. Same here. Um, yes. uh, but my favorite has always been Empire. Uh, I remember renting it repeatedly from our local library when we lived in Arizona. Um, Star Wars has always been very uh, intrinsic to my life. Mm-hmm. Um, diehard original trilogy fan. Although I'm starting to come around to see some of the merits of the prequel trilogy in light of what we've had in the last 10 years. Uh, <laughs> but uh, so... A little bit about my background. I am a writer from the Central Valley uh, of California. I live about 40 minutes south of Fresno. I write uh, mostly epic fantasy, uh, which in one of my books, I have a couple of of homages to Star Wars, uh, but nothing nothing overt. And then, uh, so I, I, I write fantasy, but I also have been a teacher. I uh, taught literature, English, uh, creative writing. I do online creative writing classes. And then um, I host a YouTube channel called GKJ Publishing, uh, where I do book recommendations, author interviews with other indie authors like myself, uh, writing tips. And then uh, lately I've been doing a series of live streams on Instagram uh, where I've been doing lectures at my local library on creative writing and mythology and stuff like that. And Star Wars has come up very frequently. In fact, the writing tips I've been doing for the fourth season of my YouTube channel have been on the hero's journey. And the bulk of them have focused on uh, looking at a new hope with uh, the, the hero arc that Luke Skywalker goes through. Hmm. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, I think this is, uh, I'm not really good at segue. So, um, just kind of segue in there. Uh, one of the things that you're always taught from a young age never to discuss in public is religion and politics. Would you say that's correct? Those are two things um, that you're told I, never to never to discuss in public, uh, religion and politics. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I remember growing up, people would say you're not supposed to discuss that, especially like during the holidays, because who knows who, who you might, you know, strike up an, an argument with. Uh, and knowing my family, we can get pretty argumentative about the littlest things, um, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, a gravy boat being put out wrong or, you know, who who made the best pumpkin pie. Um, but, I, you know, with social media, Twitter especially, I mean, you're seeing people discussing both ad nauseum uh, without any concern for who, the toes that they're stepping on. And, oh, yeah. Uh, it, it, and and while it's, I don't have a problem with having, you know, you know, casual and, and, you know, intelligent discourse, there are a lot of people who they will throw their opinions at you. They have nothing to back it up regardless of the topic. And then they get offended when you disagree with them. So yeah, yeah. The the terms intelligent and casual discourse do not exist in the interwebs, especially on Twitter. It is a, it is a, it is a, um, uh, Facebook can be pretty, can be just as bad. But yeah. if you haven't already guessed, we are going to be delving deep into at least one of those topics, if not the other. We're going to be discussing Star Wars and religion. And I thought we would break this down into three basic areas. The first one we'll talk about is in-universe, the way religion is, is kind of talked about and discussed in-universe, um, in the Star Wars universe. 
then we'll look at the some of the real world uh, religious aspects that Lucas brought in. Mm -hmm. um, and then third, we'll just kind of look at maybe some of the some of the religious controversy that has, has come about um, from from this, especially back in the uh, back in the 80s and 90s, because I remember there was a lot there's a big hullabaloo about about that with some of the uh, more you know, with, with certain aspect of, of people. But yeah. I think it's kind of, I think, but first of all, let's kind of get a groundwork from where we where we stand because um, I would be, I think you would consider, I mean, for me, I would be what you consider to be a mainstream evangelical Christian. That's kind of my 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 church background is is from that point of view. And I'm not sure about you, but just talking uh, before we got on off air, it seems like you're very similar. Yeah. So um, I don't really remember what churches we attended before we moved back to California in 89. Um, but uh, I know they were Protestant in nature. Uh, mm -hmm. Growing up, I mostly attended a the, our local Baptist church, uh, which I am still in attendance there now. Uh, I'm you know longtime member. I help out with worship ministry and other and media ministry to some extent. Um, and I've helped out in other capacities as well. Um, and then there was a time uh, where back in 2013, where I, or well, 2012, actually, it was the end of 2012 going into 13. I took on a job as uh, doing vocational ministry as the youth pastor for our local Presbyterian church, which is on a contemporary side, very similar to Baptists, only a little bit more reserved. Yeah. Um, which is hard to imagine because Baptists already are reserved. Uh, but then uh, I was about to say I, I went to a Baptist school, so I'm like, <laughs> okay, yeah. And so I ended up doing uh, a Master's of Arts in Religion with an emphasis on Biblical Studies through Liberty University Theological Seminary. Um, and so I, so I have a a working knowledge of of the Bible and scripture and looking at the context and, and, uh, and what, you know, how, what the authorial intent was, uh, versus how it gets interpreted through hermeneutics mm. and all that. Okay. Well, let's just start off by, by looking at kind of in universe and let's, let's first ask the big question, the Jedi. Cause I think anytime you're talking of religion and star Wars, you have to start with the Jedi is the Jedi a religious organization? I would say yes. I mean, well, I mean, because like, I mean, if you go back to to uh, Palpatine's description in Episode Three, he refers to them as being dogmatic. And while dog mm -hmm. dogma can, in and of itself, be attributed to other organizations, like say the military, for example, which mm -hmm. if you look at the definition of how they operate, just like any any religious group, they could be considered a cult. But true. But. Uh, you can't talk about the Jedi without talking about the Sith uh, in the same breath because yeah. they are two sides of the same coin. They're mm -hmm. both religious. They're both religious extremes worshiping or at least acknowledging the existence of the force and using that power uh, to supplement their own yeah. because they're tapped into it. It's a, a very spiritual connection that mm. people who are not force sensitive or m might be barely or quasi force sensitive yeah. don't really fully grasp. Yeah. And I w I would say it's, it's not a religion in the sense that we think of it as a Western, like, like you can't, you can't compare it to like say Christianity or Judaism or Islam, or even, even something like Shintoism where there is something, a God or gods to worship. It's, I'd say it's closer to Buddhism where it's an idea. Like the idea is worshiped. You know, they don't necessarily worship the force. Well, there or... is, there is some, there is some Buddhist qualities to it, but there's also some Shintoism as well. Mm -hmm. uh, because Shintoism, there is, there's, it, it's, it's mostly about animism. Yeah. Um, and when, but there, that concept of the force of like, especially when you look at Qui-Gon Jinn and his understanding of the living force, mm -hmm. um, it takes that animism and gives it more of a personification. Um, yeah. and 
uh, and that kind of falls in line with uh, a lot of a lot of uh, Judeo-Christian ethic in the sense that you know God is omnipotent, God is everywhere, mm-hmm. uh, and on and all knowing, and so uh, being able to tap into that that strength and that power can it, it, you can apply whatever lens you want, uh, yeah, and you're going to come away with something that's akin to akin to it because really the uh the way that the force kind of operates as far as the 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 religious aspects of the of the jedi and the sith is is more along the lines of uh of uh this universal power um even if there's no there's no consciousness or there's no uh no uh sentience to it yeah I think it's interesting that now when you compare, you know, Star Wars with other science fiction, you know, other shows and movies in the science fiction genre, um, there's not a lot of mention of other, other religious faiths And any religious faith that is mentioned seems to be based around the idea of the force, whether that be the guardians of the wills or, the Sith or other other groups that are like that, they or the Night Sisters, they all seem to be centered around the Force. You know, there's no real mention of other religious. You know, there might be. You know, someone goes to an uh, area and they find an old temple or an old. You know, they might mention something, but it's not really talked about of other other religions in the Star well, Wars universe. Yes and no. I mean, if you go back and you look at the uh... At Yavin Four, the Masazi, yeah, they actually worshipped the Sith as gods. Mm. But again, that ties back into the Force, though. You know, everything kind of revolves it, around it, the Force. It does result. It does revolve to an extent around the Force, but it was more of worshiping the Force users as deities, mm. because at that point they hadn't they hadn't established the rule of two. Yeah. Um, and so you had all these various Sith, and the stronger ones obviously were the higher level deities, whereas the lower level or apprentices were going to be the lower deities, and they're all fighting for control. And it's a you know very demonic version of like the Greek mythos. Yeah. But but then again, um, there are other religions, but they're more the ones that do pop up they are referenced in the sense where whatever their religion is, it's wholly unique to that, that planet or that, or it's long or it's something that's long gone. Right. You know, they, they, they go, they go to a planet. The people go to a planet and they see the ruins of something and they're like, Oh, or it's something that is considered archaic. Like this scene in Jedi when they're, when the Ewoks went to worship three PO. Right. It's, yeah, it, you, there is something. There's something archaic. There's something very. Um, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, the word the word escapes me. But yeah, there's something very, very similar there where the uh, the Ewoks are treated kind of the same way as the Native Americans were when European colonists mm-hmm. first came to to North America. Yeah, yeah, the sort of noble savage trope. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Only far more adorable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I want to kind of switch gears here a little bit and discuss something, um, a religion from a, from a different point of view. Mm-hmm. Get that little point of view yep. thing there. I love um, it. And that is religion in the empire. And kind of mix in politics here. Um, I mean, there's a lot of similarities between the empire and fascist you know kind of this neo-fascist government and one of the things is this idea of the state as god worshiping the state which you kind of see with the empire where the state is all the state is in effect we're almost worshiped as a god or put out there as like this is what will provide everything you need this will provide your protection this will provide um your what you know your sustenance and what you need to live you just just trust the empire the empire has your best interests at heart uh i mean you kind of see that that 
that oh, idea I, of the state as God within the oh, empire. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it, it's nothing new when it, whenever you have any kind of totalitarian government that, that, you know, pops up, whether it's fascist, communist, uh, the galactic empire, uh, you know, the, the United Federation of planets, whatever. I mean, you're going to have these... shots fired. Shots fired. Yeah. Um, I've got a friend who's a Trekkie, my best friend, in fact. And so uh, we've had these comments, but are these, these uh, conversations, but the, when you're, when you're looking at that, yeah, there's that idea that the state is, is, uh, is there. It's universal. It's, um, it's supposed to be looked at as unquestionable and anything, anything outside of that is heresy. And, and you see, I mean, you see that uh, there's a, a there's a, a bit of that happening. I mean, even today, even outside of totalitarian uh, regimes, uh, I, you can, you can see that, that jingoism in, uh, in the United States. Mm -hmm. um, where they, where they, where you have people in government who are like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We co we totally respect your belief in whatever. But then as soon as your religious beliefs come in conflict with the agenda that the government has, they will, they will push back and yeah. they'll do so with far more force because they have the power politically, mm -hmm. um, uh, militaristically, what have you. And, and you see that, I mean, while, I mean, going back to Star Wars, you look at you look at the in, the interaction between um, the between Vader, who looks like he's kind of a lapdog at first, and really he's just he's biding his time um, yeah. because he knows far more than most of the military officers. But you look at that interaction when they're first discussing uh, the power of the Death Star and using it. He comes in and he's like, "Look, you guys know nothing about what you're talking about. This weapon, it's great." But the force is far more powerful. Mm -hmm. I've seen it do some fantastic things, and and Tarkin just keeps his mouth shut because he knows the last thing he yeah. wants to do is piss off a Sith Lord. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, he Tarkin is one of those manipulators who he is he is so in tight with Palpatine that he could cross Vader, and Vader's not going to touch him because Palpatine won't let him. Mm -hmm. And so, so while he respects Vader because of Vader's power, he can, he directs it and he controls it because he's got that military arm and he is handling those things. And so for him, it's all about the empire, but you're, you're absolutely right. The empire does present itself as a type of God, just like any other totalitarian yeah. uh, government would, because I mean, like you go, I, I while it was a poor execution, Solo is a great example uh, of how the Empire plays a, a part in that. Because you've got all these people who are forced to sign in with the Empire. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they, they lose out on protections. They lose out on food rations. They lose out yeah. on, on, on medical. They lose out on so many things. And you see that through the Clone Wars. You see that through... Star Wars oh, Rebels. Bad Batch. I thought that I thought they did yeah. a really good job in Bad Batch of showing the you know the startup of the Empire and how quickly it became something that became just so much a part of daily life. You know, to go anywhere, mm -hmm. you had to have you had to have that chip. You had to have the 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 chain code. Yeah, to travel and, anywhere, to do anything, you had to have that. And I, ironically enough, we 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 saw stuff like that happening. Um, throughout the 1930s and 40s in Europe we mm -hmm. saw uh, and to some extent we've been we've seen some of that happening here yeah. just in the last two years so yeah absolutely there's this um, there's this idea that uh, the politicking becomes the becomes the religion uh, du jour of of what's happening in that that political structure um, now, do you think there is a, a lesson to be learned in the prequels with the idea of a religious organization getting tied too closely to the state with what happens with the Jedi, where they become so ingrained in what's going on with the Senate and so tied to that body that 
they become almost pawns of the Senate and in, in many cases pawns of the of, of the of the chancellor. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, we've seen it throughout history. It, you take a, a case in point from a historical lens. Look at the, the Knights Templar. I was just thinking that Templars. The Knights yeah. Templar, uh, they initially started off as a, a military arm of the church meant to protect pilgrims on the road from uh, Western Europe, from England, France, and, and the, the Atlantic coast traveling to the Holy land through Messina. And uh, so they, they guarded that road, but because of having virtually no funding from the church, even though the church had all this wealth, they ended up taking taxes. They collected um, travel expenses and mm -hmm. it got to the point where they ended up becoming almost like highwaymen uh, robbing travelers blind for exorbitant amounts of money for protection instead of just doing their job. Yeah. And they became one of the wealthiest uh, military outfits and the most politically corrupt outfits during the Crusades. Mm -hmm. um, and so when Jerusalem fell uh, to Saladin and, and his Saracen army, uh, the a lot of stuff started hitting the fan for the Templars, and eventually it it eroded the trust that the people had in them. Um, and so you see that same kind of those same historical elements being utilized by Lucas. And and while while dialogue wise, the the prequels were not very strong. Story wise, they were excellent. They were mm -hmm. well executed. Um, even if the pacing was a little slow in some places, because yeah. you could see you could see real world applications being put into the storytelling that help audiences see, hey, look, this is this is a problem. We should not let this. I mean, the founding fathers of the United States were wise to have that separation. Yeah, it it's the separation isn't there to protect the state from. Um, from the religious organization or churches yeah. from having some influence in it. If anything, it's there so that they can have that influence to kind of help mold the, the positive mentality of what's being done and the decisions that are being made to help the people. Mm. It's those, those statements about separation of church and state are in place to prevent the state from creating a unified governmental structure as we saw with like the church of England or yeah. uh, in other, other countries prior to the existence of the United States. Uh, because when you have that, that state established religion that you, that, that theocracy or that thearchy, it becomes incredibly dangerous because anybody who steps out of line, whether it's, and I'm, I'm pulling from another sci-fi uh, franchise or sci-fi um, IP, but you look at the, the movie equilibrium, the religion, even though they outlawed religion in, in Libria, which is the, the city where that movie takes place, the religion is no emotion, no mm. art, no literature, nothing that could in, evoke emotion from the populace. That became the religion. Their religious uh, texts and doctrines became the, the constant 24-7 uh, uh, media feed talking about the dangers of emotion and how it all leads to war and death and destruction. And we want a safer uh, civilization and society. Their, their uh, routines, their, uh, their traditions were about the 12 hour dose that they had to take uh, twice a day to make sure that they were suppressing those emotions and anything beyond the monochromatic, the, bo uh, the boring, the bland, any of that was heresy punishable by death. Hmm. And that's state established, not church established. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I think we've kind of also, I mean, we already talked about that, but, you know, some of the real world religious, um, what Lucas, you know, himself said he drew from, which, I mean, very heavily, as we already mentioned, the East, many of the Eastern religions. Mm -hmm. And one thing I wanted to bring up is with the force itself, is and you know kind of correct me if you think i'm wrong here but so from 
for those of you who don't know, one of the main concepts in Christianity of most Christian religions, uh, Christian denominations, is the idea of the Trinity, the, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in many Christian denominations, the idea of the Holy Spirit is there as a helper, as a guide, as something to kind of help you through uh, other, you know, some people might call it the con their conscience. I kind of see that as what the force is. The force is. It's kind of like, especially if you look at the force with the midichlorians, there it's kind of like like a helper. They're there to help the Jedi to assist. You know, do you kind of see that too, or? Yeah, because um, well, I mean, um, when you're when you're looking at pneumatology, which is the 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 academic study of of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you're you're looking at this uh, this you're looking at how the Holy Spirit impacts uh, the religious aspects of, of Christianity, and so uh, and so yeah, I mean uh, you look through pages of Scripture, whether it's uh, descriptions that Jesus Himself uses when He's talking about the Holy Spirit, or maybe you're, maybe it's passages written by Paul who wrote the majority of the New Testament. You're seeing uh, descriptions of the Holy Spirit as being a helper, as being a guide, as being this empowering um, presence in a believer's life, um, and like the like the like a lot of the miracles that were being done by the uh, the apostles in the Book of Acts only happened because they had the pouring the the pouring upon them of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter two, right. Sorry. Um, and I mean, then there's also the, you know, you can look at it from the other point of view because, you know, Lucas himself said that he used a lot of Eastern, Eastern thought, Eastern religion is the idea of the chi, of the right. life force and the life energy. Um, I mean, that right there, I mean, life force, the force, I mean, the two almost go hand in hand. Yes. Um, yeah. So I mean, definitely used a lot of Eastern Eastern religion and Eastern thought, especially Chinese thought. I think uh, Zen Buddhism and that kind of, um, and even even with the with the Jedi themselves. I mean, you can see a correlation between. You mentioned the Knights Templar. I can also see a correlation between them and the uh, the the um, the Shaolin monks. There is some elements drawn in that, especially like when you look at the clothing. Yes. of the Jedi and, and how they, I mean, it's very simple, very, uh, I mean, aside from Anakin, who probably had the most ornate uh, robes, you know, with that kind of that leopard print, especially in episode two, yeah. I mean, for the most part, they, they all look the same, you know, browns and earth tones and topes and all sorts of stuff like yeah. that. And then you have the Sith who for the most part are just, you know, wearing black leather pretty much all the time. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so you have, you have that, I mean, it's, it's not uncommon, especially from like looking at storytelling mythos and, and uh, the hero's journey and other uh, monomyths that your hero characters are dressed in these, these lighter colors meant to evoke goodness and purity and stuff like that. And, and humility. Whereas, you know, you look at the, kind of the ornateness of like the Sith with their tattoos and the dark colors and the, the, the more personally stylized mm. way that they dress. And you can, you can definitely see there's, there's more of a self selfishness to it. than there is the selflessness of the Jedi. So as far, where would you like, what real world religious affiliation would you say is closest with the Sith? Um, or is there, you know, looking at it, if we're talking Eastern religions, I would say there is definitely a, a leaning towards like the, uh, the Indian, uh, worship of Kali. Cause the worshipers mm. of Kali were kind of a death cult in India. Right. Yeah. Um, and so there is that kind of that element because they're willing to kill at the drop of a hat. Um, but then 
with the way that they go about doing assassinations and stuff like that, I would also say like maybe um, uh, the the Hashashin uh, come to mind of, of mm. Iran because they were a, a very specific sect of, of Shia mu- Muslim that uh, you know their whole goal was to create chaos during the Crusades and they did things to just kill. It was part of their religion to commit these these deaths. Mm. Um, and then, but if you're looking at from more of a Western side of things, um, you know, at least, at least coming from starting at the, like the Eastern edge of the the Mediterranean, they might be akin to one of the Greek death cults that were surrounding, uh, Ares or, or, or Hades. Um, Mm. but then moving even further, um, especially in like looking at Western Christianity, uh, they would be more akin to like your typical satanic cult. Okay. Or at least I should say stereotypical because I'm sure Stereoty- yeah. you might have some people who are of, uh, of a pagan influence uh, or a pagan uh, worship listening to the podcast who would be like, who would be the first to jump in and say, wait, 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 hold on. Don't lump us in with all that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it really depends. Cause I mean, like you look at the, uh, you look at the night sisters and there's definitely, there's definitely a pagan Wicca influence in the development of that culture. Yeah. Um, especially considering the fact that the night sisters of Dathomir, it was very, it was very, um, fem- uh, female centric. Mm-hmm. Um, and where the males were subservient to the females. Um, so it's, it's just really, you know, there's a lot that you can pull from that. And you can see the different literary and the different cultural and historical influences that went into the creation of, of these belief systems very easily. So I will, the third thing I wanted to talk, I kind of want to touch on is now, I don't know if you remember the, some of the controversy that came out. Um, this came about around the same time that, a lot of the anti D and D stuff came out. This kind of, and I mean, do you do you kind of remember that whole where it was like we, you know, you can't talk about anything Eastern religion because that's evil and it's satanic, and kind of that kind of backlash from many in the Christian community. Yeah, I was. I mean, I was a really young kid back in the eighties when that stuff came out, especially when they had that that one t- made for TV movie with Tom Hanks, where like yes they freaked out about him playing D and D because it might steal his soul. Um, I, I was, uh, I mean, I was too young to really remember it, but I, I've read about it since then. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I remember like back in middle school, some friends gave me a, a deck of magic, the gathering and my mom freaked out. Oh, because oh my mom. Thought, well, yeah. Like, I mean, most of the things that were on that deck were all based out of like Greek mythology or something like that. And yeah. she wigged the heck out. And I'm like, mom, they're just cards. They don't do anything. Yeah. I have no idea what, how to play the game. Someone just gave them to me because they thought I'd think they were cool. And, yeah. and so she got super mad about that. I had to give them back to the, to the friend of mine from school. Who's like, well, that's lame. And I'm like, <laughs> whatever. Um, but I mean, my, my mom was one of those people like, like I started getting into rock and roll really big in, you know, in middle school, high school. And like when Creed first started getting popular, I, I remember uh, listening to some of their music. I'm like, man, this is really good. And then my, my mom heard the music and because of how, how aggressive it sounded, she flipped yeah. out. And then I'm like, hold on, hold on. Hear the lyrics, read the yeah. lyrics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. The message is in the music, not in the way it sounds. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, like I remember, like my like, I love my mom, but and she even admits that this was something that was just kind of she's was kind of out there for her. But she went this whole thing about um violent toys, and she she actually sold these Christian these Christian toys that were like uh, you could buy like a hell like a, a a set of armor that's supposed to be like the the. Uh, the armor, the armor of God type of thing, or you could play with action figures of like, Mo, of like David and Goliath and Moses and stuff like that. You know, it's the whole thing was yeah. like, you know, toys nowadays are so violent. So let's give them a uh, shield and a sword. That will that will keep them from being violent. 
Yeah, there's. But yeah, but yeah, I, I mean, there was a whole whole concept of people were so worried about that. You know, young young boys are going to get into Eastern religion and Eastern cults because they watch Star Wars and um and you know yeah, I don't there, know I mean there was there's definitely something about like I never really had that that particular issue with yeah. uh with my folks I mean I cuz like by the time we moved back to California in 89 going to the 90s um I started getting involved with martial arts um and and while the the eastern religion aspect of it isn't as incorporated uh, in Americanized martial arts yeah. as it would be in say like Japan or Korea or China or wherever. Right. Um, there, it, there was something to be said about, uh, you know, my, my mom started getting concerned because of that, like the, the violent toys, like, you know, the, like the ender tech, you know, you know, battery operated squirt guns and, and and nerf guns and stuff like that she didn't have a problem with that because i mean i grew up watching action movies with my dad you know i knew the difference between what was what was fiction and what was what was reality but you know we had i mean my mom's biggest concern was things that would affect me on a spiritual level Mm -hmm. um but the more i i leaned which is weird because like i would read tons of stuff out of like out of folklore and mythology she had no problems with that i could sit down and watch you know, a, a fairy tale produced by Disney didn't bat an eye, but you know, heaven forbid, I came home with a deck of Magic: The Gathering cards just because I thought the art was cool. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, oh. it, there. I mean, the the controver- Like, I don't remember much controversy though around Star Wars until I, mean, there- I would. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say until at least the last twenty years or so, when people started like becoming like actual practitioners of the Jedi way, mm-hmm. where they start applying like Jedi principles to their everyday life, and I'm like, that's actually kind of brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like going back to it, I mean, do you, can you think of Jedi and Jediism as something similar to? Buddhism in the sense that you can almost look at Buddhism as, as I want to say not being a non-religion, non-religious religion where um, there's not, I mean, in the sense that they're like the practice of Buddhism don't worship the Buddha, so to say it's, it's almost like something, you know, it's like a thing to aspire to, um, to be like, you know, like the Buddha, but he's not necessarily worshipped as a god. I can, I can kind of, I can kind of, I, I can definitely see that because, I mean, there is like, I mean, the ultimately the goal of of Buddhism is this this you know willingness to do to do the right thing by people, ultimately in hopes of of gaining enlightenment. Right. However, there's a bit of a catch-22. I, I lived abroad in Japan, and uh, there was a point where I hit a crisis of faith, and I, I considered converting to Buddhism because hmm. I was in one of the most Buddhist countries in, in, on the planet. Yeah. And as I was researching it and, and, and trying to figure out if that was the right move for me, uh, I started looking into, into some things, and, and there's a contradiction within, within the, the religious structures that – the ultimate goal is to hit nirvana, but in order to do that, you have to divest yourself of any wants, desires, or goals themselves. And so to have that goal is thus to be incapable of divesting yourself of it. Mm-hmm. So the catch-22 is how do you divest yourself of, of all those goals and those aspirations in order to achieve the thing that you, that you aspire for the most? Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's, and I mean, if you look at, but at the same time, you go back to the Jedi, you know, they, they're looking for enlightenment, but not for the sake of of attaining it as like the end result. It's more of how can they become more enlightened to help the people that they're sworn to protect. Right. So 
there's definitely more of a servant leader mentality uh, in the Jedi Order, um, although it does become weaponized against them, especially as you get into uh, the Clone War era. Yes. Uh, because by that point, instead of just going to war in a direct conflict with the Jedi, Palpatine was actually incredibly brilliant. He worked behind the scenes, kept himself hidden. No one knew who he was or what he was. They just knew that he was a very prominent senator. He worked the system and and he manipulated events very skillfully to basically make the Jedi their own worst enemy. Mm-hmm. And it it was it was brilliant tactics on his part. Oh. And brilliant tactics in the in the slow propaganda of villainizing the the uh, the Jedi. Exactly. I mean, you see that even in uh, Bad Batch, the the um, I think of the, uh, the the episode arc with uh, with Ahsoka, where yes. she goes into and you see that idea of of the Jedi. Like, not everyone loves the Jedi or thinks the Jedi are these great are these great things, and you see just how how lost the Jedi had become of their oh. own, of their own goal. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, um, because with, I mean, Ahsoka's, I mean, just Ahsoka's arc in Clone Wars alone was yeah. so well done because, you know, my biggest question with Clone Wars coming up and, and, uh, and introducing this character at first, I thought Ahsoka was just kind of obnoxious, but yeah. the more the series progressed, I was like, man, I really like this character. She's she's really fun to watch, you know, because she was kind of the lens that the audience used to see yeah. most of, of the series through, and mm -hmm. and so you have this character who's who is a true believer, but she is not so uh, dead set on being the true believer that she cannot see like it's she doesn't get into the dogma, like yeah. she she breaks away from that dogma. She stays away from the legalism. Um, and, and you see that happen, especially in the Christian church, uh, in the Western world more than anywhere else. Um, yeah. you know, you know, Christians in America, we freak out if we can't get to Denny's by 1230 after a church service, <laughs> that, that right there is suffering. Well, um, one thing one, I would, I would, uh, kind of harken back to the, the scene I was talking about in the, uh, the first season of Bad Batch with that arc with Ahsoka where she's talking to those two girls and they're talking about the loss of their, of their mother and how they saw the a Jedi, ch you know, chasing after the ship and the ship crack, you know, the ship uh, manages, he manages to save one, you know, one building by taking a ship, but the ship crashed into a building and killed that building, killed their parents. And the only thing they got from the Jedi was the force will be with you. You know, yeah. and I say, how many times has, have Christians have we done something similar to that, where, yeah, where you lost they... somebody has lost something, and they're like, "Well, you know, the Lord will be with you," or you know, without really looking at the situation, thinking like, you know, what's a better, you know, yeah, you, you have those those false platitudes of, you know, God has a plan for everything, or yes. how can yeah. I pray for you? And, yeah, and that and that right there goes back to the to the, the application of, you know, the Jedi got to a point of they rested on their laurels thinking, okay, yeah, we're these, we're these hero characters. Um, but we're not actually doing anything different than, mm -hmm. than what the military is doing or what the Sith are doing. We are what people see us doing. They, they don't see the struggles, the, the spiritual struggles, especially, with you know wrestling with their their uh, their own desires and their own wants, their own lust for power, whatever it is, um, uh, because I mean you look at Anakin. Anakin handled everything in private. The only person who really truly saw what was going on with him was Padme, and even then he held back from sharing with her some of the things he was dealing with. Yeah. Um, you know, he tried to open up to her and she's like, well, go to Obi-Wan because, you know, he's your mentor. And that was the right thing for her to say. But he couldn't go to Obi-Wan because whenever because there was a point where Obi-Wan was keeping him at an arm's distance. Mm -hmm. And so that 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 intimacy of 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 uh, master and apprentice of 
student and teacher, you know, of, of father figure and friend and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, and, uh, raised youngling that that gets broken very easily. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so the general populace didn't see these, these spiritual struggles that many of the Jedi were dealing with. Um, and so, uh, all they see is the combat, the conflict, and, and, Mm -hmm. and they see this, this, juxtaposition between what the Jedi are trying to uphold, but what they're trying to uphold in, in and of itself is a corruption not yeah. paying attention to. Well, and I think you mentioned Obi-Wan. I think he's a really good case in someone who, I mean, if you want to talk about someone who is a true, true believer in the dogma, in everything, that's Obi-Wan. I mean, Obi-Wan was the Jedi's Jedi. And you see that in the, I mean, you kind of, and I don't know what your opinion of the Obi-Wan series is, but you kind of see that with the Obi-Wan series where you have a person who literally had their entire world turned upside down. They had their entire belief system just cut out from underneath them. And you see that play out with Obi-Wan and kind of like to see, you know, see that kind of, I mean, not necessarily a loss of faith because, I mean, he did have a loss of faith. You know, he did have a, 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 not a loss of faith, but a, like, he had his faith shaken. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, uh, I did, for the most part, I enjoyed uh, the Kenobi series um, without getting into too many of the, the issues that I had with it. Yeah. But one of the things I really appreciate is that there was that sense. I mean, if you look at the opening episode where Kenobi's on Tatooine and he's going through his daily routine of working in the market and, and cutting the meat and, and doing whatever it was that he was doing, he has replaced those, whatever those routines, whatever those, um, whatever those, those traditions that he normally would have done mm-hmm. with, his da- with his daily practice of being a Jedi, he's completely thrown them out the window because while he is in exile and he's trying to protect himself, uh, he's, you know, and this happens with anybody who have ever has a crisis of faith. You, you come up with new routines, even yeah. if you don't like these new routines, you develop them because it gives you something safe to work through. Yeah. And but so you, it, and you still see kind of harken back to, he still had that mindset, like the way he was so meticulous with his knife. Yes, of of folding folding the folding it up and putting you know cleaning it and folding it, you know it wasn't just like haphazard. He was very careful about it, you know. Which that also shows you know someone not only that had some sort of structured background, but had you know a military you know some sort of militarized background. Some you know yes. someone who took care of his weapon, took care of his you know his sword. Yeah, and yeah. and again, I yeah, I, having yes. I completely agree with that because I, I, I noticed that as well. And I thought it was really brilliant on the, on, on the direction in that regard, because uh, yeah, he's using, he's applying the discipline that he has learned over a lifetime and applying it to a new trade just to keep himself hidden and protected. Mm. Nice. And that is, that's not uncommon when, uh, when you're for people that, I mean, it's, it's the same thing. Like, um, think about anybody who's ever been, who's ever gone through addiction. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a particular routine that goes along with that. So, uh, I had a friend of mine who quit smoking. He, he had been a long time smoker and he, he still had the routine of wanting to put his fingers to his mouth. What did he do? Mm-hmm. He replaced it with, with eating junk food. Mm-hmm. And so he gained a ton of weight because he because he wasn't smoking, uh, and that he just needed to have something to do with that hand. That routine was there. That discipline, if you want to call it that, was there. And so that became the new part, the new routine for his new religion mm. of getting off of uh, nicotine and tobacco. Yeah. Uh, you see that happen in other addictions as well. They'll find something else to do to get over the whatever the impulses and triggers were for that previous behavior. Hmm. Hmm. Well, this is, uh, this has been a really interesting discussion. I'm thinking, um, 
right, any closing thoughts as we kind of uh, start to wrap things up here or? Um, is it too Sith of me to say that I, I, I kind of want an apology from Ryan Johnson or else? <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, <laughs> Ryan Johnson, Kathleen Kennedy and uh, JJ Abrams. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of done with them. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, just, just, uh, just don't tell, uh, my co-host Will you said that. So, <laughs> well, uh, I'm, I'm all for John Favreau and, and, uh, Dave Filoni. Those guys, those guys haven't been able to do any wrong yet. So. That's true. That's true. They've been amazing. Um, uh, well, why don't you tell the people out there where they can find you at or, uh, anything you want to plug as we kind of wrap things up? Yeah. Um, I, uh, as far as finding me, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at GKJ underscore publishing. Uh, you can find me on YouTube. Uh, just search for GKJ publishing as well. Um, I'm the only one with that, that name. Uh, I have a new set of author interviews that are coming up this next month. Uh, this Saturday I have an author showcase where all four of those interviews are going to be kind of outlined as far as what dates they air. And uh, this is the big push towards the end of season four. Uh, and then uh, beyond that, uh, if anyone's interested in picking up my books, they are available. Uh, you can find those links on social media as well, but you can find them on Amazon. Just do a search for Garrett K. Jones. And I'm pretty much the first one that comes up. Awesome. And this, yeah. The series is called The Archives of Asink Ran. Uh, and there's four books in the series currently. I'm looking at putting out book five later this year. All right. Cool. Awesome. Uh, as for us, of course, if you want to get a hold of us, you can do so. Our email is waroftheStars1 at gmail.com. That is also our Twitter handle, at waroftheStars. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, which is where I found uh, Mr. Jones. Uh, it was our Facebook group and Facebook chat. And uh, so check that out. Uh, if you want to support the show, uh, patreon.com forward slash war of the stars, or you can go to spreadshirt.com, just search war of the stars, and it should show up. We're also, of course, a proud member of the Red 5 Network. Uh, check out red5network.com for all the shows. Also, plug for my co-host, Will. Check him out on at Darth Tuba. He has an unboxing show, Darth Tuba Unboxing on YouTube. Check that out. Uh, Garrett, it has been amazingly fun having you on the show, and you are welcome back anytime, uh, my friend, to talk Star Wars. We, uh, this was awesome having you on the show. It was great to be here. Thank you for, uh, for giving me the opportunity to join you. It's been wonderful. No, not a problem. And as always, as we always say, remember, this isn't just my Star Wars. This isn't just your Star Wars. This is our Star Wars. Until next time, may the Force be with you. <laughs>